Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. And what's up, STS Nation? Welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime for the second time in as many days. We're doing two shows in one day. Of course, there was big news about the Long Island serial killer, uh, the accused one. Of course, that is Rex Hurman. Uh, now authorities are saying he might potentially be connected to two more victims. And uh, you can check that out on the YouTube page. Uh, you might notice something here tonight. Uh, the Queen of Honor is back after a six-month hiatus. Um, if you think it's shtick between Carm and I, which I've been accused of, all you have to do is ask Lauren and Eric what it was like before the setup. But Carm, I love you. We kissed and made up because we were arguing about some stuff today, and uh, you're back here. How does it feel to be in Studio 1K? The Today right. Show has Studio 1A. We have 1K for Carm. Carm this is the corner of his bedroom between us, confidentially. <laughs> Carm, what's it like uh, to be back, Carm? Except I feel a little badly about the, the choice of this night, of all nights. Uh, why is that? Oh, because, your mother, my mother-in-law's here. Yeah, my my partner in crime is here, just arrived, so. Um, I think this logo is now blocking your face, Carm, which we're going to have to fix, but I haven't really talked to you in depth um, since you were on last six months ago, and that's going to change. You will now be on every week. What what do you think of this new set that we have here, this new backdrop? It depicts you wagging your finger at me, yelling at me. You've got Mabel Rose, my beloved puggle of 17 years who just passed. It's got my dad's book on the night table. Um, it's got our posters. What do you think of this? Um, you screamed at me when I proposed the idea. You know, a Miami street artist made this. You absolutely screamed at me. You did not want me to quote unquote waste money. Um, but I, by the way, if anyone's listening to this show for the first time, they've already tuned out. But uh, this is not a typical episode. We're going to get to the subject matter. I think we have a very important subject. Uh, and we should uh, concentrate. We have, uh, you always make a joke that if you ha would have to pay for these people who are coming on your show, you couldn't afford it. So they are here out of just kindness of their hearts and let them talk about the topic. Forget about our relationship. Okay, it has been sick from the get-go. So let's let's concentrate. <laughs> Carm, on just it. give me three words on the set, and then I'll move on. Have you um have you come to like it over the last few weeks that you've seen it? I I got used to it, and I was shocked that many people gave very positive uh, feedback. And I like the idea that it was a stre uh, street uh, artist. Yeah, it's very subtle, right? It doesn't really jump out at you at all, correct? <laughs> it's totally vulgar and, and horrible. It's, okay. nothing like, it's nothing like Studio 1K. So uh, on with the show here. We've got uh, massive news out of uh, Colorado. Um, as you probably know by now, because it broke a few weeks ago, but it remains uh, a massive story. The remains of missing mom, Suzanne Morphew, were found more than three years after she disappeared back on Mother's Day 2020. So the obvious big question here is what does this mean for the investigation? And we could not have two better guests. As a uh, local TV news reporter, Lauren Scharf, with that beautiful Halloween background, 
Uh, she extensively covered the Suzanne Morphew case. Uh, she also interviewed one-time prime suspect husband Barry Morphew, who uh, nine days before he was going to go to trial um, for first-degree murder, uh, the case was dropped. Um, we'll discuss that. Uh, Lauren is now a public information officer for Cherry uh, Cherry Creek School District, a PIO, uh, and a social media manager over there. She was a former reporter at Fox 21 News, at WAFF 48, and at NTV News. Uh, so welcome to Lauren Scharf. Next up, the man with the awesome handlebar mustache. I have a feeling that STS Nation is going to approve. That is Eric Faddis. He's a former felony prosecutor and current criminal defense and civil litigator. He's the founding partner of Varnas, Varner Faddis Elite Legal. I love that. Uh, he's appeared more than 150 times on media outlets, ranging from Court TV, ABC, NBC, Law and & Crime, and Newsmax, covering some of the biggest cases in the nation, including the George Floyd death, Alec Murdoch, which we covered in depth, Depp versus uh, Amber Heard, that trial. Uh, he recently covered the Suzanne Morphew death uh, for the Denver Gazette um, and also crime stories with Nancy Grace, as did Lauren Scharf. A special shout out here um, to Joanne Jetta Platypus. That's an interesting last name, if that is the real name, for becoming a YouTube member. And here he is. Catch Lisk, who's been uh, doing all the work behind the scenes on the uh, Long Island serial killer, uh, became a YouTube member. We appreciate that greatly and are happy that you're back here. Um, quick reminder, please, if you can, support us on YouTube and or Patreon. If you can't do that, five stars on the audio platform goes a long way. Uh, let me defer to the queen here, to Carm, uh, and then I'll get to the two expert guests. But Carm, you were... Uh, a therapist for about 40 years. You still have your license in social work. Point blank, do you think that Barry Morphew is responsible for this crime? Are you ready to go on record? Um, I'm not going to answer this question right now because we have to speak a little bit longer about their uh, char character traits, about their behavioral patterns, about things like of that nature. And then... We need, of course, I am not going to, uh, he's innocent until proven guilty. And, uh, and the interesting aspect for me when I was uh, looking into this uh, case is the personality of the people involved. And uh, I sure have opinions about that. Um, listen, I could get very emotional right now. Uh, quick aside, uh, typically we don't do this, but my mother is here. Um, as do you, this. Don't blame me. Let's go to the As stuff. you all know, I've been working on a book with the same title as a podcast, and it is basically my mother's Holocaust survival story, followed by life advice on major topics from friendship to marriage to aging. And uh, I got the edits back on the book. And then uh, over the last, they took three months to edit the book. And then told me I had 10 days. I took 13 days and I did all the work. And, 17 uh, days. Who's counting? And uh, the book will be out. <laughs> She's counting. And the book, yes, she is. The book will be out Father's Day. There will be pre-orders. And I just want to say that in rereading the book, I realized what a giant pain in the ass I am. I'm a nightmare of a son. I gave Karma a kiss. I love her to death. She always says I'm a little mean to her on the show, but I could almost cry because, because I torture me. her. I've got some slight OCD issues and I like to whine to my mother, even though I'm in my 50s. So I just want to take this opportunity to say that, Carm, please forgive me. 
Uh, I forgive you if you go back to the topic. Okay, so a quick recap. It's a fascinating story, and I'll tell you later. Tune in. Carm is intrigued. She will tell us if she thinks Barry is guilty. So I want to recap this very quickly, and then we'll go from macro thoughts to micro thoughts. But uh, Suzanne Morphew, uh, as I said, she goes missing on a curious day, Mother's Day 2020, uh, in the early morning. Uh, The two daughters, Mallory and Macy, were both out of town on a camping trip, Uh, as normal kids would do. They texted their mother's happy, their mother, uh, mother, happy Mother's Day, which I just want to let you know, I do the same thing. Um, And then daughter Mallory tells her dad, Barry, that they cannot reach their mom. Uh, Barry eventually reaches a neighbor and poses a kind of an odd question. And he asked if Suzanne's mountain bike is there quote unquote, some people think setting the scene for what happened. Uh, Barry does not head home immediately, he drops off a shovel and some other tools. Keep in mind, he's a landscaper uh, for his co-workers at a hotel where he had booked rooms. Um, and Suzanne's last proof of life photo was a selfie that she sent uh, May 9th at around 2 p.m. That is the last proof of life. And that was to her lover, a guy named Jeff Libler, a high school friend who she had recently uh, reconnected with. Uh, So that is the background. Lauren, you covered this case extensively. Um, Why do you think it's riveted the nation and the world the way it has? You know, every time we do this, we see our numbers rise. Um, What's what was it like for you to cover it and, and your thoughts on why it's become such a big story? I mean, when people hear about Suzanne, as far as her story about how she battled cancer twice, um, she overcame that. She had, you know, two beautiful daughters and, um, you know, that she had just moved from Indiana to Colorado to a beautiful place, kind of a little isolating in that area. And, um, she just everyone I spoke to, um, if they knew her as a friend or family, they just spoke so highly to, um, about her and just how um, she just would light up the room whenever she walked into the room. Um, she uh, it was someone who loved Christ, and um, that was she was very Christ centered when she was talking to people. Um, She just was a loving person. And a lot of people I spoke to said that, you know, they wish they could be more like her. Um, And uh, it just, I think it hit a lot of people in so many different ways around the globe um, that, you know, how could a mother, a beautiful mother, um, go on a bike ride supposedly and just disappear? on Mother's Day, right? Um, Why wasn't she with her family? That was kind of my initial thought was, where was her family on Mother's Day with her? Like, why weren't they around? Why was it the neighbor that called, you know, 911 initially? And, um, you know, did she truly go on a bike ride? Um, And then I remember the very first press conference that really happened, the sheriff, Sheriff John Sweezy, he said, you know, she was reported missing on Mother's Day. I mean, they at that time didn't know if she had gone missing or had disappeared prior to that. You know, it was just that she was reported missing on Mother's Day. Uh, it's a crime, crime, criming shame. 
Uh, looks like Lauren is on. She has covered Suzanne's case beyond measure. XOXO Lauren. So people do know this. And then uh, look who's joining us. We've got Henshi Held coming to us from Jerusalem, where he's trying to stay awake at 2 a.m. Glad you're up for Carm. Um, thinking of the great people of Israel as they are dealing with a difficult time. And shout out to Tali Schechter as well. I haven't seen her yet. Um, Eric, to you, uh, same question, just from a macro perspective. Uh, what's what's jumping out to you uh, when people ask you about this case and why it is, you know, become such a, uh, you know, a sought after story and a story that people are so, um, you know, into? You know, I think a part of it is the locale. So it, it's near Salida, Colorado, where I, I live in Colorado, and it's kind of like the like America town USA. It's like the quintessential American mountain town. Um, very low crime rate. I, I go there every year for a kayaking uh, um, thing called Fibark. It, it's always so welcoming and pleasant awesome. and picturesque. And it just seems yeah. like there's there, nothing could go wrong there. And then we all of a sudden on Mother's Day, uh, we have this, this great mystery that, that transpires. And we have this uh, mother who, you know, she was dealing with some issues, but but overall seemed like, you know, she had a pretty good situation and, and people couldn't really uh, wrap their heads around how in this area, this locale of Salida, Colorado, um, such a, an allegedly egregious, monstrous uh, crime took place and, and, and took the life of um, of this innocent victim, this innocent mother, um, likely on Mother's Day. And so I think I think a part of it was just the the sort of shock uh, as to here, could this really could this really happen here? Um, and it did. And and now we're sort of all dealing with it, not only we all in Colorado, but the entire nation. Uh Got to be the best handlebar mustache of any best guest. Love it. I have a feeling that uh, SDS Nation is going to chime in about that. Uh, Maui Swift, a uh, longtime friend of the show. Ola Carm, Raul Thomas, also Hola. a friend. Love Carm and love Lauren. Uh, I don't know if Carm's going to like sharing the love, but uh, I win. I'm generous. To um, <laughs> and I'm just looking to see where the other uh, love Carms were. I saw a bunch, but um, Carm, to you. You know, this crime happened on Mother's Day 2020. Uh, you're a therapist, again, a licensed therapist. Do you find that curious? Well, um, it's very interesting because allegedly they moved from Indiana. Correct me if I'm wrong, the two experts here. They moved from Indiana to Colorado to be closer to their older daughter who went to college there. And, and the younger daughter was still in high school. And uh, this is an area where people go camping and do all sorts of outdoor things. But her daughter somehow chose Mother's Day to do this and leave their mother alone. Uh, and I wonder if they were set, I'm questioning, uh, they left her there by herself. Were they at all clueless about issues in the marriage, or were they were they like stressed being around the parents because there was a uh, tension between the parents, or um, they, were they avoid? I don't know why, but they left the, the parents by themselves. Anderson Cooper, I'm going to stop you right there because you yeah, had a question. Yeah, they always called me Anderson Cooper. I thought I'll tell the, you. 
I've been listening. You can have a long conversation. Oh, Lauren just disappeared. That's never. She a good couldn't sign. take it anymore. She could, but listen, I was listen. I've been listening to CNN because I've been trying to stay on top of the news, and I listened to Anderson Cooper. And as they say in South Carolina, bless his heart, man. Thirty years, and he just can't spit a question out. But um, I spit it out, but it take more time. But my understanding was that on a podcast. You can do it. Uh, you can make longer statements. And I watch your podcast, Joel. And people d- don't give you uh, sound bites. They elaborate. And I took the liberty to elaborate. And you always call me Anderson Cooper, which is not the worst insult because he's very capable. Lauren, so to my mother's point, um, do you think that children knew the, the extent to which the marriage was damaged at the point that uh, she went missing? So if you go back to the first initial interviews with law enforcement with the daughters, uh, it seems to me that Mallory did not know. And Mallory's the daughter who was in college. She's the oldest daughter. And Macy did know that um, there was some issues with her parents and um, that they weren't getting along that summer. And you have to also remember this was the prime beginning of covid and so um, a lot of people, all they could do was get outdoors to kind of um, get a fresh air, right? Um, and so the, the daughters had just finished school um, for the semester, and it sounded like they just wanted to go on a road trip to a couple states um, away from Colorado, um, and they were planning to come back for Mother's Day to have dinner with their mother. Uh, here are photos of Suzanne Morphew, obviously with her two daughters, Macy and Mallory in the middle, uh, beautiful looking family, uh, looking like the all American family. Um, so obviously the news came out, uh, end of September, it was September 22nd that we learned that, um, some remains were found in Sawatch County, Colorado. Um, and, uh, five days later, uh, she is positively identified as those remains are positive, positively identified uh, five days later as Suzanne Morphew. Uh, Lauren just gave us this photo, which I'm going to put up. Um, this is where the remains were found. Um, Eric, to you, I, you know, I, I think you said you go down to Salida occasionally. I don't know if you're familiar with this area, which is about 50 miles away from uh, the, you know, the home. Uh, talk to us about this area. Obviously, I worked in Tucson. It almost looks like Tucson. Very remote area. Uh, what about this area? And it'd be hard to find a body there unless maybe you were given a clue to go look for it there, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's super rural out there. You've got the town of Salida, and that's like a little small mountain town. Um, but then, you know, 50 miles out of that is like barren nothing. Uh, and, and, and there are, you know, um, it, it's very hard to get to some of these locations there there, it's not like there's a bunch of main roads just going through them all the time um and so yeah i mean i was interested to hear the location as to where the remains were found um certainly seems like someone placed them there and i think the question on everyone's mind is who and when and under what circumstances um but uh but yeah i mean if if a person i guess was going to hide a body that that would be uh not a terrible place to choose not that I would condone that. <laughs> and uh, Lauren, look, go ahead, Carm. No, but the the important the importance of the place where the body was found, it's important to stress that the body was buried. In other words, 
it wasn't on the surface of of this uh, terrain. It was a, not a deep grave, but a shallow grave, but n- nonetheless a grave. So that so that they know that somebody buried her. She didn't die from the elements. Uh, very uh, astute point. Uh, she was found in a shallow grave. And uh, we have Joseph Scott Morgan on uh, the show quite frequently, a very well-known forensics expert. And I'm going to get to some quotes from him. Um, but Lauren, sort of the same question I just asked Eric. Uh, it's a very remote area. Uh, and they were looking there. Um at the time, it was very confusing. There were reports that they found remains of two different people at the same time. Uh, the Denver Gazette reported that, and I don't know if they've walked that back, but that was the initial report. I know they were they were looking for another person, um, but that other what, body that they found, the remains were found in July, um, and they have positively identified them as James Montoya. Um, he was miss- he went missing in April. And he was last seen at a bar in Lakewood. And they, I believe they have a suspect for um, that mm-hmm. body. Um, and they weren't near this, where Suzanne was. Um, they were but somewhere there, else. There was, a, there was a search for a woman named Edna, Edna Quintana, right? There was yeah. A, yeah, there was a search going on for her. But yeah. um, needless to say, this was a very remote area. Um, I don't know if you're still, by the way, Martin Smallwood, who's been on my show, is saying hello to Lauren. Uh, he is in Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, and he and uh, Kurt Simpson have been working tire- tirelessly, um, you know, using coordinates, GPS coordinates to try to track all this. So uh, they must have been um, very happy in, uh, you know, in a somber sort of way to know that at least the remains were found. Shout out to Ketchup, who's a friend of the show. but. Um, Lauren, back to this remote area. I mean, you wouldn't, if you're law enforcement, you're not just going to go there um, randomly, right? Do you think that there was some sort of tip off to authorities um, that that took them there to look for the remains, which is what, you know, where they were ultimately found? I don't know if there was a tip as far as that specific location, but I think they were definitely looking for Edna Quintina and just stumbled upon, from my understanding, they just stumbled Mm -hmm. upon Suzanne's remains rather than Edna's. Um, Going back to that area, if you put that photo back up, um, I drove from the Morphew home to that area and um, Highway 17, which is south of Moffett, is um, only about a mile or two from where this is. Uh, Moffat is, I'm excuse me, and Highway 17 is about a football field from where this photo is taken from. And then to my right, if, to looking to the right of the photo, is um, County Road R, and it's about 30 feet, or I would say 30 yards from County Road. Um, so it's not that far off of the the main highway, um, and. Um, that county road either and it's a large area that they excavated the cbi fbi um Sawatch county officials um and you know i put there was some wildflowers and um we placed some wildflowers around and you know said some prayers and things like that in, mm-hmm. in memory of suzanne when i was there yeah. 
Um, by the way, we've had uh, Johnny Grusing on from the uh, FBI, now retired. He's been working this case, and uh, he told us still an active investigation, uh, even though he's retired. But we're going to get him on here once he's able to talk. Love Johnny Grusing. Great guy. Great sense of humor. And the guy was an awesome basketball player back in his day for Texas Tech. Um, so um, back to my sweet, dear mother, uh, mom, the police alibi. Uh I don't know any other 54-year-old to host a show with his mom. Every time I say mom on the podcast, it's odd to me still. But uh, anyway, Carm. Uh, Barry Morphew tells police that he drove off that morning for a landscaping job in Broomfield, Colorado, at 5 a.m., and that the last time he saw his wife, she was sleeping soundly. That was revealed uh, in the preliminary hearing. Um, do you buy that, Carm? I mean, I know you don't want to give away whether you think he's innocent or guilty, but do you buy well, alibi. If, if he were, and I don't say he is, if he were the one who committed this crime, then the crime happened the, the uh, evening before, uh, the, the, the evening when nobody was home, he was home with, with her alone. And uh, this is a very... Um, a strange variation on murder scenes because A, they uh, discovered that they found the see-through, what is it called? Uh, a see-through tube that, that covers uh, needles that... Um, the tranquilizer. That tranquilize deer. Uh-huh. Or, or I think they're deer. They're Animals. Not, they're Animal not, tranquilizer. They're not bombies, but they are deer. And, uh, and that they found that in the dryer in the, the house. And so uh, Barry, the husband, said, yes, he uses these tranquilizer needles because he takes antlers off, um, off these deer. And then when you go into his house, you see that there are antlers all over the, I guess, the family room or the whatever part of the house. And, and so they, they, they felt that there is a possibility that it has nothing to do with the murder. But on the other hand, they think it might have something to do. I think our attorney in residence could uh, take this further. Yeah, Eric, you want to chime in? Uh, and by the way, Lauren, I just have you muted because there's a little audio hiss coming off when my mom's speaking. But I will, you can, I'll let you unmute yourself. Um, but um, Eric, you know, we've heard about the. There's a lot of information people new to the case might not know, but there was a basically a tranquilizer casing found in the dryer. Um, is that a significant piece of evidence in your opinion? You know, if, if you ask the prosecution, it is because because they go to Barry Morphew, the husband, and 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 um, I guess the information that they receive is that uh, Barry Morphew is well adept at using tranquilizer guns. That that's something that he, as Karma was saying, that's something he does like as a hobby to get antlers or something bizarre like that. Um, and so, uh, you know, the fact that it was in in, in that house, the, the uh, suspicion that it gives rise to is that perhaps he used a tranquilizer on Suzanne Morphew and then carried out whatever he carried out and disposed of whatever he disposed of, allegedly. At least if you ask the prosecution, that that is, um, I think, a significant part uh, of their legal theory. Um, now, now, the defense, um, Iris Eton, who is uh, Barry Morphew's defense attorney, 
attorney has essentially said, oh, gosh, that was, you know, we don't know when that, um, you know, capsule that, that that would encase this the tranquilizer syringe was from. We, we don't know uh, very much information about it at all. It's nothing. It's insignificant. Um, and so I guess it kind of depends on which side you believe. Yeah, and I want to get back to Iris Aton a little bit. I have uh, her statement, which I thought was a little strange, and I'll ask you about it. But, Eric, you emailed me prior to the show saying, uh, I thought it was interesting that prosecutors had not recharged Barry yet after finding Suzanne's body. Uh, can you elaborate? Uh, how come? Totally. So, um, you know, j just in terms of the timeline, the prosecution didn't even charge Barry Morfield until a, a year after um, Suzanne had gone missing. Um, and, and there was a lot that happened during the pendency of that case. The prosecution ultimately files a motion to dismiss nine days before Barry Morphew is set to go on trial for first degree murder of Suzanne Morphew. And in that motion to dismiss, I, I've read it and, and it appears several times it says, hey, we don't have a body. We don't have a body. We want to dismiss this case until we have a body. And so really what, what that was telegraphing to people reading it was, yo, once we find this body, we're, we're, we're going to bring it. We're, we're coming back at Barry Morphew full steam. And that hasn't quite happened yet. And so I think a lot of um, legal experts who have commented on it were, were a little bit um, suspicious as, as to why. If, if that was really the, the last puzzle piece that the prosecution was waiting on, why have they not yet recharged Barry Morphew? Is it oh. uh, okay when they dismiss the case? I now learned the new term uh, without prejudice. It means that in this dismissal, implicitly, it stated that if they have more evidence, they can uh, start a new, uh, open up a new case. Correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. Now, the, I am. I don't know anything, but I like to talk about things I don't know anything about. So I think they didn't uh, arrest Barry yet because they are doing tests on the body. I think they are doing uh, all sorts of uh, forensic tests. And I saw this very interesting uh, comment by this famous uh, uh Dr. Baden, who was the head, um, what was he? The you met head? him at CrimeCon, Carm. He's a famous yeah, forensic pathologist. What's his title? He forensic was the head pathologist. Yes. And uh, yeah, yes, I have a picture with him as the two oldest people there. Uh, and and he stated that even though the it's it's a little gruesome, but the actual uh, bones are all that remains. So it will be harder to conclude if there was an assault, if there was choking, if there, there were other ways of committing this murder. But if, for example, she, if they found clothes with her, her, her clothing on her, that would help them because they, they could see different things like blood, uh, uh, DNA, and so forth. On her Carm, you're stealing my thunder. You went over to the next part of the rundown here. Uh, I always I'm glad, do that to I'm, you. I'm glad you brought it up. You're trying to show everyone how much you have learned about because this Because he case. always says to me, did you do your homework? <laughs> She's so got I her notes. I, I, I see you looking at your notes. Look at this, Carm. Space Coast sound the Carm alarm. I actually love that. Um, yay, Carm. Every, every day I get to see Carm is a good day. Uh, then we've got a couple of Laurens. 
Queen Karm is in the house. Baba by the sea. Karm. Let me Karm. let me tell our two people. Look, who- Michelle is in South Africa. By the way, Michelle just had a baby girl. Shout out to her. Karm. Karm. I I, just I love Karm. Welcome back, Karm. Karm, nice to see you. You're good for business, Karm. We have to bring you on more often. No, but often. I have to tell you why they are so impressed with me. Why is that? Because I'm 84 years old. I was in August. I was 84 years old. And they are amazed that I still can breathe in and breathe out. <laughs> I don't have to do anything day, else. That's all I- <laughs> Thank you. And look at this fuzzy pup, the last one for now. Oh. Karm is beautiful. I love her. Uh, Lauren, I went to high school with Caroline Scharf, so I always want to call you Caroline in okay. case I do, just so you know. But um, Lauren, are you surprised that this investigation has not been uh, reopened I'm not. Um, yourself? I but think, I mean, they went through s- such a long period with the last go around, and there were so many hiccups and mishaps and things like that, that whoever's going to file charges to whoever against whoever they better get it right right they they have to um, take their time with the evidence they have with um, you know whatever they collected at that site they need to make sure that they got every piece of evidence or bones or fragments of bones or anything from that site and they have to kind of um, Put her back, put put it back together, kind of right, and um, double check and um, do all the tox um, tox toxicology, or I can't say that word right now, but um, the yes, toxicology um, report as well as um, the autopsy. Get everything together because remember when you you know when you press charges against someone, the the the, it's. The time is click. The time is going. I mean, it's it's going immediately after you press charges against someone, and so um, I think this is. They're going to be very meticulous and very um, careful with their investigation. Um, you know, cross every T, dot every I, make sure everything is in order because you got to remember the speedy trial is going to start right when. Um, you know, they press charges against someone. And so it could, uh, they got to have everything ready to go. And remember last go around, they didn't, they, um, everything was disorganized. Um, all the terabytes of information and all, all of that was not organized. Well, people couldn't find things. Um, so I'm hoping they do take their time. Um, if it's a year from now, great. If it's six months from now, okay. If it's, Two years from now or whatever, you know, let let the investigators do a really good job so that um, Suzanne and her family can get justice. Yeah, uh, Carm, look at this old lady Snoop. I'm an unabashed Carm sycophant. Hi, Carm. Missed you. Go, Carm. Go. Uh, I can't read too many of these. We'll never get okay, to the uh, Careful, guys. At a certain point, he becomes a little competitive with me and becomes <laughs> a little jealous. Yeah, that is true. Um, to you, Eric, uh, there's a prosecutor and uh, hang on one sec. I'm just going to go ahead and remute you, uh, Lauren, real quick, just because there's um So there's a prosecutor uh, in Colorado who I don't know, but you might. And he was interviewed by the local Denver station. His name is Ryan Brackley. Um, And he came out um, and he said, here's the quote. You always want fresh eyes. You always want new ideas, new people looking at these cases. 
Ideally, in a cold case, you're building off the work by prior investigators. You're building off the narrative and the theory. I don't think that it makes a lot of sense in the Morphew case, uh, given the history. But basically, he was saying to view it as a cold case because it needs new eyes. Uh, do you agree with him? Yeah, no, Ryan's the homie. We, we do uh, media stuff together. He's great. Um, <laughs> I agree with him it, largely because the folks who were on it before, not, not to be disparaging, but, but there were some mishaps. There were some errors. There were some issues with, with how they handled the case. Uh, and that's at least one of the reasons why it was dismissed. There are other reasons, uh, including court rulings that were uh, adverse to the prosecution. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense to get some new eyes on it. Now, that county has brought in prosecutors from a number of different jurisdictions to get their eyes on it. I imagine they've had multiple investigative agencies. And so, um, you know, one more can't hurt. And, and perhaps that that new sort of perspective um, could be what this case needs to get it over the hump and get it to um, a, a reasonable likelihood of conviction, which is not where it's been throughout the pendency of the case, in my opinion. Yeah, and uh, Eric, just point blank, did, did the prosecution, did the state botch this uh, from the get-go? You know, botch is such a such an ugly term, but, um, <laughs> but, but I will say that mistakes were undoubtedly made, and in fact, they're documented in the court record. There were some, some pretty elementary duties that the prosecution has in terms of disclosing um, what's called exculpatory uh, information to the defense, uh, information that could be favorable to the defense. And the prosecution failed woefully at that. And, and the judge spanked him for it and, and really gutted their case. Uh, and so, um, you know, th there's a lot that has to be done to kind of put this back together and salvage what we have. But with these new developments and with new fresh eyes on it, uh, I think there's at least a, a potential for that to happen. Look at this, Carm, from Patricia Burns, also a friend of the show. Has Carm had plastic surgery? She looks fab. Carm, anything I need to know about? You Thank some you injections? for saying that, but I don't believe in it. My mother said no elective surgery 100 years ago, so I still don't do elective surgery. No, I don't have anything. And thanks. It's, uh, this uh, lighting is very good because it, it hides all your wrinkles. Uh, but, but in any case, we are, we are sort of in our uh, discussion, uh, uh, implicitly saying that it is Barry, the husband, because we are saying with, with the first time he got away, now he, he you know, that maybe it's him. But the, let's remember, there is the possibility that it's somebody else. There's always that possibility. No, but there, there is, in this case, didn't they find some kind there of a some mag DNA? Carm, don't get too ahead of me here. But oh. yeah, they did find some DNA. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Murray Muncy, more importantly, that is an epic stash followed by it's a great mustache. Carm, what do you think of the mustache? Always I, I think he looks terrific and he's, I'm sure, an excellent lawyer. And I'm focusing on his professional. Carm, you told me I better shave this week. You called me. You said, is that because well, my he's beard? Not my son? And I think it's very becoming on him. Yeah. Oh, but is, you, yeah. Is it because yeah. my beard hair is gray and white and I'm getting older? Is that why? Yes. I don't like the white. <laughs> okay. Uh, look at Henshi held in Jerusalem. Uh, please tell Carm I'm so happy she's back. There you go. So, um, Lauren, you, to you, I have to be alive. I don't have to. Okay. Go yeah, ahead. Lauren, to you. Um, so 
as Carm astutely pointed out, Suzanne Morphew's body is found in this shallow grave, but there was an attempt to hide it. Um, but Joe Scott Morgan, who, again, we've had on the show and is uh, a very well-renowned forensic uh, you know, expert uh, in forensics, he said that the body was scattered by the uh, elements and uh, that because of that, um, any significant amount of DNA uh, would have been lost. Here's a direct quote from Joe Scott Morgan. Right now, what I believe they're probably struggling with is the fact that they don't have any soft tissue to work off of. The reason that's a problem is any kind of trauma. For instance, if we have someone that's been stabbed or beaten or shot, you'll see focal areas of hemorrhage. You can get a sense for the dynamic of the injury, but when you're down to a skeletal remain, and I suspect that for three years in an exposed environment, that's what they're dealing with. That layer of potential evidence is vanished. Um, how problematic is it or not, do you think, for investigators that basically um, the body withered away and all that was left were bones? Um, is it a major issue in your, I mean, if she was shot, uh, Joe Scott Morgan saying that potentially they could see a, a gunshot wound in, in, in let's say the skull, but uh, are you concerned? I, you know, now that you're not a reporter that her body was um, in, found in this condition. Oh, let oh. me unmute you. That's my fault. I'm sorry. Can you hear Go me ahead. now? I mean, I think yes. yep. body is better than no body. I mean, it's giving a piece of closure to the family that they didn't have. Um, speaking with some of the family members, they told me now I can officially say that my sister was murdered um, rather than just disappeared, right? So I think that's a piece of it. Um, and I think it's good. I mean, whatever they have is better than nothing, right? Um, and especially with wanting to uh, file other charges, um, they needed significant evidence to reopen this case and now they have it yeah uh great point um so joe scott morgan went on to say that harsh conditions obviously make it tougher to recover any kind of evidence um eric to you he this is another direct quote if you're looking for transfer dna uh whether it be anything related to a body fluid let's just say that this was some kind of sexually motivated attack uh, you're not going to find it now. Uh, but he went on to say, uh, before I get there, he says, in my opinion, all that is going to be gone unless they have a garment, unless they have a garment, which my mom mentioned that they have uh, recovered. But he went on to say that the environmental factors could make it more difficult to ultimately convict or clear someone of her murder. Um, is this a big problem for Barry Morphew? Because now uh, they can't, there's a chance that they can't definitively clear him. By the way, before you go, Laura Waldy, uh, she is uh, amazingly generous, just gifted 10 memberships for Survive the Survivor. Uh, appreciate that. Frankie Figs with the CARM emoji. Bonnie Lee Lopez in a chilly Vermont. Our, our beautiful CARM is back. Go ahead, Eric. So is that a problem for Barry? You know, in, in a sense, it's absolutely a problem that they found the body of the dead person they're claiming he killed. Clearly, that's a problem. But but also, it sort of takes away some potential defenses that, that Barry Morphew's legal team has at least hinted at. You know, when we have these disappearance cases, um, in order to prove 
murder, you got to prove the person died and didn't, you know, go off gallivanting with her, uh, with, with another gentleman, perhaps, and started a new life, um, didn't commit suicide. Um, there are these potential defenses that his defense team could have hinted at, at at the upcoming trial, if there is a future trial, that they're not going to be able to do anymore. Um, so, so I think that the, the, this development does sort of hamstring the defense in terms of eliminating some potential defenses they could have raised with the jury. They could have planted a seed of doubt in the jury's mind as to whether this may have been suicide or may have been her you know, going to start a new life in Ecuador or something like that. They can no longer argue that. Mm. Jody Johnson says, I, I usually don't have good luck, but I do today. I'm back on the same day as Carm. Um, Dylan. Go ahead, Carm. Speaking of Carm, uh, I think there is an interesting psychological underpinning to this story. Love it. Go, go ahead. And uh, uh, I am not jumping into any conclusions, but just bringing out certain aspects of the of the relationship of the husband and wife. They are they are they were high school sweethearts. He was a baseball, uh, I think, baseball star in in school. He he was going to go. I think I think the team was called Blue Jays. Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto yes. Blue Jays, and uh, everything was uh, going the right way. And then he had an injury, and then they went to college, and got married, and they lived in, in Indiana, I guess, near their families. And slowly, uh, the personality of the wife and the husband is sort of revealed uh, as in a novel that the, the husband was a very macho uh, outdoorsman, hunting, uh, which is kind of appropriate, I guess, in certain states. They do it more than in certain other states in America or certain areas. And he was... He was a, a hunter and he was tough and he, he wanted to be in control. This is how they describe him, wanted very much to be in control. And uh, uh, allegedly she was very um, soft and sweet and pliable and emotionally available and so forth and was becoming more and more unhappy according to her sister who describes this. And according to her best friend who describes this, and at this point in the marriage when this tragedy happened, the the murder happened, uh, and again, I don't say it was the husband, but she wanted to get divorced. And even her affair, like like some some people make a remark, uh, oh, she had she had an affairs and he had affairs and i think that the reason they were both into affairs is because she was so unhappy she was like she found a, a high school uh, somebody yeah, she, she, knew, she knew from high school and she started to uh, have an affair with him carm i didn't realize she was as religious as lauren says she was do you think she was conflicted because she was such a religious person having this affair I don't, I didn't read about that, but you would imagine she was. But the point was, the point was that men who need to control their wives and they need to control sometimes 
they cannot handle when the wife wants to leave. By the way, Carm, uh, neither here nor there. I'm going to, I'm going to definitely get us on Anderson Cooper 360 for the book launch. And it's going to be hilarious because it'll be the longest segment in history uh, with the two of you asking each other questions. Uh, look at this mom. Yala says, Wow, Joel, that was really sweet. The first time anyone has ever said that I was yeah, sweet. Yeah, they always say that he's very mean to me. And look at Black Widow coming to us from the Republic of Ireland. Uh, we know you're a moan. I love that. That must be their word for a whiner. We know you're a moan, but we love you for it, Joel. So we learned a new, we don't use that word here, uh, don't Black Widow. Don't encourage his moaning. Uh, Lauren, back to you. Um, and I've got you muted, so I'm gonna have you unmute yourself here. So Joseph Scott Morgan, here's another quote. He says, I can't imagine that there would be something there that would lead him to being excluded off of the suspect list. Um, same question to you. Do you think right now that investigators are kind of circling the wagon? Do you think this is going to wind up back with the focus on Barry Morphew? Ultimately? I don't know if I can say that because I'm not looking at the evidence that they're looking <laughs> at. But I, I definitely think um, with it, with the remains being found in um, Sawatch County, that's, you know, new eyes on the case, right? And El Paso County Coroner is, um, you know, uh, doing the autopsy. So these are fresh people that, you know, weren't involved in the previous um, trial and, or, you know, preliminary hearing and all that of, um, you know, a couple of years ago. So, you know, I think that breathes a new life into this case. Um, and um, I'm hoping also whoever does look into pressing charges against someone that they start from fresh, that they don't look at the previous um, arrest affidavit. They just kind of go off of what they know uh, from the evidence that they've they've collected. Um, Eric, to you from Murray Muncy, who happens to love your stash, uh, the random DNA captured on her helmet, bike and her uh, and in her car are throwing me off. I have to be honest. I didn't know that it was found on her helmet. I thought it was just um, on the Lauren. You're shaking your head. No, I thought it was just in the car. Yes. OK. Uh, sorry. Have you, so Lauren is uh, confirming what I thought. I'd never heard of the. Uh, so there was foreign DNA, though, Eric, found um, in the car, I believe, on the glove compartment. And I think that's what's kind of thrown a monkey wrench into this for a lot of people. Um, from an, you know, from a legal standpoint, you're a prosecutor, uh, felony uh, prosecutor, and now a defense attorney. Um, what kind of problems does this present for the state? Uh, I, I think huge problems because you look at the, the DNA and allegedly from what I've read, it was linked to three um, sex assaults uh, investigations out of state. And so, my gosh, who is this person that, that was in Suzanne Morphew's vehicle who is linked to three other sex partial assaults. DNA partial um, and, DNA I'm just throwing it out there <laughs> so, yeah so Lauren Lauren when you say that I mean when you and I'll Sorry. get back to you in a second Eric but Lauren when you say that no no it could be I mean it could be DNA from you know mechanic or something who once worked on the car it could is have that been right someone that, brushing Lauren? up against someone else and then touched her like glove compartment working on a, her vehicle yes like it could be it's very minute DNA yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't understand partial DNA. It's like uh, 
uh, you know, halfway pregnant. I don't understand. I don't think uh, that's. <laughs> you know I don't think you can compare those two. Which, will, you know what? Does it mean partial? Partial. Well, it's like it's like touch DNA. It, it's come. That's what's going on with Brian Koberger in Idaho right now. That uh, it was DNA, touch DNA. It's not as, um, I don't know, as uh, solid a piece of evidence as actual DNA. But Eric, we cut you off. There. Eric, so- can can that be presented in court? You know, I'd have to read the actual DNA report and see how sound it is. But but my my inclination is that defense w- would jump all over that and, and would say, my gosh, who is this, um, you know, uh, alleged sex assaulter uh, three times over who, who was in Suzanne Morphew's vehicle? Now, a- as Lauren points out, it's not conclusive that 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 this per- that there was another person in that vehicle, but it's certainly suggestive of it. And um and I think it just, you know, as as the commenter put it, it's throwing people off because it doesn't fit with the prosecution's narrative that this must have been the husband. Um, and so I think that there are still so many questions that, that they're up in the air. And, and from a legal perspective, questions often are equivalent to doubt. And, and that is that reasonable doubt in an upcoming trial? I guess that that's what uh, the jury would ultimately decide. Uh, Mo Hartman here. Domestic violence was spiking globally at the time of her disappearance uh, during the COVID pandemic. I guess people couldn't handle being with their spouses. I love my time with my spouse because uh, she might oh. be listening and her and her brother-in-law is definitely listening. And my mother-in-law is in the house tonight uh, visiting from Los Angeles. Um, investigators, uh, Lauren, they became suspicious after uh, Barry is seen on surveillance video throwing stuff away. So while the DNA might help him, this foreign DNA, uh, he's literally seen on surveillance camera just doing really strange things. How much does that hurt him, do you think? I mean, they asked him, you know, what were you throwing away? Um, And, you know, sometimes he couldn't recall. Um, It just is, why did you have to stop at six, I think it was six different locations to throw away um, items. Why did you have to make that many multiple trips in a single day. And it was the morning, um, the trip to uh, Broomfield, Colorado on Mother's Day. So it's like the timing of things. Um, why so often that you made so many trips? Um, and thing, and why different locations? Why didn't you throw all of the things in one trash can? Um, stuff like that is curious. Yeah. Uh, Eric, back to you. Um, According to this 131-page arrest affidavit, which is obviously a very lengthy arrest affidavit, uh, investigators believe Suzanne died sometime after she sent a message with her phone just after 2 p.m. on May 9th. Uh, Early the next morning, Barry leaves for Broomfield. They cite in this arrest affidavit data from both his cell phone and his truck and what the affidavit described as numerous discrepancies, as Lauren was just saying, and his answers to questions as they built the case against him. They also pointed to evidence that Suzanne had told him she planned to leave him, something he had initially denied. Um, it seems to me like there's a lot of smoke here. Um, and when you speak to detectives, uh, I just had two of them on to talk about the Long Island serial killer. They both said this today. They don't believe in coincidences. There's too much coincidence going on here. Is there too much smoke, uh, in your opinion? Real quick, Vintage Mama, look at this. Everyone's gifting memberships. 
Love it. Thank you, Vintage Mama 3. Go ahead, Eric. You know, um, uh, raises a lot of eyebrows, a lot of red flags, no question. And, and when you look at Barry Morphew's actions, um, they don't really align with with what he's claiming in the public and to investigators. He's claiming that that he thought Susan Morphew had just disappeared and she's going to come back at some point and, and we're going to be reunited as a family. Uh, but then he also um, gets a new girlfriend. He uh, votes on behalf of Susan Morphew. He pursues a guardianship for her. All of those things are, are totally inconsistent with someone expecting that their spouse is going to return. And so I think that a lot of these discrepancies, a lot of these inconsistencies are going to be problematic for, for Barry Morphew. Now, the thing is, are they conclusive? No, they're not conclusive. But, but when you build up enough of those, uh, do those begin to rise to the level of beyond a reasonable doubt? I think that's really what the prosecution um, would pursue should this case go to trial. Um, Lauren, obvious question to you. You interviewed Barry. Was it just one time? And what was your, um, I don't know, what were, what were your... What was your gut telling you uh, during and after that interview? Oh, um, I, I'm trying to count how many times. I spoke with him multiple times on the phone and then met him in person once. Um, and then I would say maybe five times altogether we spoke. Tell, tell us a little bit about it. What, what physically, I mean, he played this guy who was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays. Big guy. Does he have a presence? What was he like when yeah, he first met? Yeah, he, I mean, is someone who goes to the gym. Um, and uh, he was soft spoken, um, kind of wanting to calm the situation that was going on um, outside of his house. And, um, you know, just. Kind of, it was before the search, the hundred, hundreds of people were coming to Salida to do the search. It was before that when I spoke with him face to face and he was kind of talking about how, you know, Suzanne's family side of the family was just doing this for a publicity stunt um, and that they hadn't spoken in years. Um, and then I had talked to Andy Mormon, Suzanne's sister, and he said, no, you know, I spent we saw each other for Christmas last year and things like that. And he had shown me proof of their photo together outside, uh, in front of the Christmas tree and everything. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he was very concerned with, um, what people were thinking of him and he was blaming the media, uh, for that. Um, and I tried to tell him, you know, listen, you know, your wife went missing and you've only done one um, video of yourself pleading to people. And that was a week after she went missing. And then since then, it was like radio silent. And uh, typically with a family that has a loved one that go goes missing, they are wanting uh, media attention to keep their loved ones in people's minds and to make sure that, you know, anyone and everyone that um, could potentially see her maybe abducted or out on the street or anywhere that they could recognize her and then call authorities to say, hey, she's found, she's found, here she is. And there's something that I'll never forget when, whenever that summer happened after Suzanne was disappeared, I, um, Anytime uh, a female remains were found, I would immediately call that sheriff's office up and say, hey, can you confirm that was Suzanne Morphew? Can you, you know, can you tell me if that was or was not Suzanne Morphew's body? And they, some of these, 
counties in Colorado didn't even know who Suzanne Morphew was. And I'm thinking to myself, am I the only one that is trying to look for Suzanne or ask about her? I, I just didn't understand why it seemed so small when in and as far as like people were only talking about it, it seemed like in Salida and in that surrounding area rather than statewide and even nationwide. Um, and these were counties like next to um, Chafee County that were having uh, women uh, that were uh, found, right? And I was asking them about it and they they hadn't even heard about Suzanne Morphew. So it was, that was odd to me. Uh, and, and context here is really important. Mo Hartman says Colorado was in a stay-at-home mm -hmm. order. We forget. Uh, we have short memories. So, um, it'd be you know, I mean, if you're going to be a criminal, you're not going to be paying attention. That would be my defense if I was a defense attorney to that. But it's uh, important to remember the context. I'm um, going to read this comment very quickly. Then I want to get, Carm, your take on what Lauren just said. Martin Smallwood, again, um, he's part of this group called Hope Rocks, and they've been basically tracking all of these movements. He says, Barry went to Crestone, according to the locations from his truck. Uh, to get to Crestone, you have to drive through Moffat, which is exactly two miles from where Suzanne's remains were found. Uh, again, uh, a lot of coincidences going on here. Um, Carmela, you're the therapist on the panel. Uh, you just heard Lauren say that when she interviewed Barry Morphew, he was kind of more concerned about his own image uh, he put out a video, but he, he really didn't um, get too involved in the search. Does that um, ruffle your feathers? Does that uh, raise your radar at all about uh, his behavior? Well, you, I would like every man, if his woman disappears, to kind of uh, react, uh, you know, uh, in a very dramatic way and... Uh, and uh, act very, very upset and carry on. That would be my fantasy of the appropriate behavior. But not everybody, there, there are people who are stoical, you know, they, they, they are stoics. They, they just don't, uh, this guy was very other oriented, you know, that he was concerned so much what others will think of him in the community or, or, or in his surroundings. Uh, I personally see that, that, mm. that, uh, he was a little too preoccupied with what, that's what, that's what you just said that, right? That he, he was a little too preoccupied with what other people think. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, he tried to kind of forget about it and move on. And what I want to bring up, just one more point that I'm curious about. The daughters are not little girls anymore, right? No, they're college or beyond college now. No, they're not beyond college, but they're college, and and they they un they did not question. Uh, they they immediately were on his side. Carm, you're reading my mind tonight. By the way, I I put in all that background information about the affairs because I knew that was going to interest you. My next note right here. You always say we have ESPN. Uh, daughters not by his side. I know, SP. I know. Carm, okay, ESPN. Okay, but daughters by his side. Um, what do you make of that, Carm? Since you are the therapist, that they are standing by his side. Uh, my father sadly has passed away. But if you killed him, 
I might stand by your side too, Carm, because uh, you're that important to me. But what do you make of the fact that the daughters are uh, are uh, sticking up for dad? Well, it could be that it's an unimaginable thing for them, and it cannot even penetrate, you know, their their brain. They cannot even uh, fathom. I would like to hear what the people think. Uh, why why were they the daughters? We're going to get there. I've got uh, Carm. I'll, I ask the questions my show, and then you can uh, participate. Well, Carm. as I said, they they cannot even remotely accept that their father would do something like that. Uh, Denisha here says Carm is way better. By the way, that happened with Chad Daybell out of the Lori Vallow Daybell trial. Uh, they stood by the father who's about to go on trial uh, for double murder, um, and will likely get convicted the way. Uh, Lori Vallow did. Denisha Burdell says, Carm is way better than Anderson Cooper. I you smell see? another. Yep. I think we're going to have a Carm with the greater sign and Anderson as just as the shirt. That is a graphic shirt. Carm, I would like you to respond to this comment. Michelle Abbott, Joel must be one of the hardest working YouTubers, always bringing us lots of great content. Well, they want, Joel wants me to say that I am very hard on him and I am not that impressed by how hard he's working. Uh, but actually I, I am and I tell him that I'm impressed and then he does, he wants me to tell him again. And the third time I refuse to tell him. Slightly dysfunctional relationship. Um, to you, Eric. Uh, so back to some of the legal issues here. Uh, the judge, as my mom astutely pointed out, dismissed the case without prejudice, which basically means they can bring charges again. But then Barry, uh, in all his hubris, he filed his own $15 million civil suit. He's basically suing uh, everyone uh, related to this prosecution. Uh, does he stand a chance of winning that case? And even though publicly no one can ever say this, um, will they look to... Uh, prosecute him once again because of that. You know, um, I, I think in order to win those civil lawsuits that that allege um, police misconduct, wrongful arrest, wrongful prosecution, you usually have to win the underlying criminal case in order to win the subsequent civil case against the authorities. And here, it's still an open question as to what's going to happen in that underlying criminal case. You know, you uh, and, and I think part of the lawsuit could be trying to um, affect the social narrative uh, around the case. And, you know, things had been so negative for Barry Morphew. Uh, and I think that this was maybe sort of his counterweight to say, whoa, 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 wait, I'm the victim here. And whether that's accurate or is up for debate. Um, but um, and, and then in terms of, you know, whether they would punish him for bringing that case. Look, we all like to think that um, law enforcement is going to act neutrally and un unbiasedly. Uh, and the truth is they're humans in, in, in those positions. And uh, would they, would this sort of stoke their ire and cause a response from law enforcement? I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say, but it's at least, um, there's at least the specter of that, which I think is, is, is concerning for, um, for other reasons. Yeah. Uh, there's an interesting comment here, Carmen, in response to what you said. That move to Colorado uh, from Indiana was not to follow Mallory to school. Barry was running away from his bad business deals. Who pulls up stakes and follows kids to school? Um, that's an interesting point. Uh, back to you, uh, Eric. Because uh, So the defense attorney, who's very well known in Colorado, uh, Iris Aton, uh, basically when this the remains were found, immediately put out a statement and said that the family is devastated, their heart 
uh, is breaking. Uh, but then she went on to say, and I quote here, from what we know, Barry is as innocent as he was from day one. That is very bizarre wording. I'm a, obviously a former reporter. I'm an observer. Um, that doesn't sound very convincing, especially not from a defense attorney. Was that like a faux pas? What do you think went on there? You know, I, I have a great deal of respect for Iris Eton. I think she's an outstanding attorney. Um, uh, and, and you know, was that the best wording? Like, like you said, that that sort of raises some eyebrows. And it's like, from what we know, uh, but, you know, uh, not referencing all the stuff the police don't know, uh, which I'm sure there is a lot um, that, that defense probably knows, uh, to which law enforcement is not privy. Um, you know, I thought it was a curious way to word it. Uh, you know, we... we she is doing the best she can for her client. I, I firmly believe that. But um, has she ruffled some feathers? Absolutely. Uh, by the way, it D-Mart was, by says... By the way, Joel. Yes, ma'am. It's, it was covering your, her legal, legal derriere. Yes, her legal derriere. You're right. Uh, D-Mart says, I read that the boneyard is also used to dump elk and deer. What's interesting is Lauren Scharf told me that is well, not the boneyard. Is that right, too, Lauren? Well, I've heard that um, some folks in that area consider the boneyard being for uh, for a dumping of like carcasses and such. Uh, and we're going to start to wrap in a moment because uh, Carm told me keep it short and we've already gone over our time, but a couple more quick things and then we will, in fact, wrap. Uh, Barry Morphew uh, didn't just speak to Lauren Scharf. He spoke to ABC News in his first network interview. And Lauren, uh, he said, uh, and I quote here, they prosecutors have got tunnel vision and they looked at one person and they've got too much pride to say they were wrong and look somewhere else. I don't have anything to worry about. I've done nothing wrong. Did he say similar things to you? Yeah. I mean, he was blaming, um, I mean, he even straight up said to me one time that the FBI lie, um, he was, you know, telling me that you can't believe everything you hear from, um, investigators, things like that. Um, you know, I, I do want to point out, like, why was it that he did that network interview after he was dismissed of charges? Like, why wasn't he doing that as soon as Suzanne was met missing um, and the girls, right? Um, that was something that I didn't understand, but he always told me that they were a private family, so. Yeah. Um. By the way, Carm, I'm I'm dissecting this comment that Barry Morphy made on ABC, and he says, speaking about the prosecutors, they have too much pride. He could almost be speaking about himself, and he adds, I don't have anything to worry about. I've done nothing wrong. It's almost like he's convincing himself. Am I reading too much into it, Carm? Well, maybe we are both reading too much into it because I, I painful as it is, I have to agree with you. Hmm. And then last but not least here, uh, Melinda Mormon. Do you know who she is, Carm, with all your research? No. Yeah, it's her sister. Very good. Uh, she was interviewed by a Colorado radio station, and she said, and I quote here, Carm, we'll get your take. She definitely made implications that she had concerns about her safety and the condition of the relationship had, I think, deteriorated quite a bit over the last several years. Does that sound like her sister is saying it was a cry for help to you? 
Yes, yes. I told you she was at the point where she told him she she's leaving him. And um, that and that that we saw in many other cases. I'm not generalizing, but we saw it in other cases where people who need this, as I mentioned earlier, need this control. And it's uh, when the wife wants to leave, that's when it's the most dangerous time. Uh, shout out to McSpunky, who just uh, gifted another membership. The guy is uh, one of the most generous people I know. Thank you, McSpunky, who I like to call MC Spunky. Uh, and Murray Muncy says, thank you, Lauren. You are a wealth of information. Becky Ireland, welcome back, Carm. Eric Faddis, man, I hope this guy comes back on my show uh, frequently about other topics as well. He is a former felony prosecutor, a current criminal defense and civil litigator. He's the founding partner of Varner Faddis Elite Legal. Does Varner have a uh, handlebar mustache also? No, that's my wife. I'm glad she doesn't. Oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's excellent. Um, glad she does not either. That's good to know. Uh, he's been on them all. Court TV, ABC, NBC, Law and Crime, Newsmax, the list goes on. And uh, he was also on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, who I gave a nice, sweet hug to uh, at CrimeCon. She's a very sweet. I have to tell you, when I heard that the two of you were on Nancy Grace, it was a kind of intimidating. There you go. But Carm, you held held your own. Um, No choice. Eric. How does this tale end, at least this part of it? Do you think we see those charges you were asking about uh, delivered back to uh, Barry Morphew? Is he going to stand trial ultimately for this? You know, I, I think Lauren's right that they, that they the, the law enforcement is sort of um, dotting their I's and crossing their T's, making sure they have all their ducks in a row because they haven't before in this case. It's been a problem. Um, and I think that's what they're doing now. And I think... Um, so long as, as the conclusions they draw um, tend to implicate Barry, even if they're not conclusive, I, I do think they're going to come back with this. There is so much social pressure here in Colorado on law enforcement to um, get justice for, for Suzanne. And I feel like um, the law enforcement believes that they, they know who did this. And I think it's only a matter of time before we see charges filed. Now, how that, that trial ultimately goes is, is anyone's guess and, and probably fodder for another show. Mm, interesting. Uh, so charges could be coming. Strega T. OMG. Can't believe I made it to a live. Love you guys from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Uh, one of my favorite places. I was actually just whining to Carmela that I want to take my three little kids there for uh, the winter break because we live in Miami. And she told me I'm out of my mind and then called me a few other names and said, uh, really bad idea. So uh, we will continue to argue about that. Patty Davis said, Love seeing Carm back. But, Love but I, I am, I am, I have to tell you. If you are diverging our private conversations, it had nothing to do with Montreal. I was there. It's a beautiful city. Look it has this. to do with some other things. By the way, Carm speaks six languages, one of which is French. Uh, Joel, oh I like. Oh my when God! You... Listen, I have to tell you, this has nothing to do with. Carm doesn't like tonight. goodbye. She tells me to wrap, but then she always extends the goodbye. Wrap it. I have to hold but, on. Carm, real quick, I love when you call. No, I like wait when... a second. Go ahead, I saw Carm. artificial intelligence where, from let's say, you talk to somebody for a limited no- uh, a number of of uh, minutes. And then they can can take your own voice and with a perfect accent, they can make you, for example, speak in in 
Spanish or in any other language that you don't speak, the new, you don't need to have, know any more six languages. You just absolutely, the, this new artificial intelligence will, will be. Carm, are you using AI in your day-to-day life, Carm? Yes, I totally use it from morning to night. Jody Johnston says, Joe, I like when you call Carm mom. That's who she is to you. And you're both so lucky. Yes, we are. Um, Carm, what is, uh, this is a great question from Black Widow. By the way, your sister doesn't like it when you call me Carm. Uh, she's got a M-Y-O-B, mind her own business. Uh, what's a lady, <laughs> Carm, this is interesting. What's a lady mensch called from Black Widow in Ireland of all places? What is her name I'm- for a lady mensch? I don't know. For those who do not know, a mensch in Yiddish is like a, a gentleman. Uh, like no, I am a mensch. No, not a gentleman. A good guy, right? Uh, an upstanding good guy. Um, Sidetrack. Lauren Scharf, uh, she is uh, a gentlewoman and a scholar, as my mother would say. She's now a public information officer for Cherry Creek School District. Uh, she's also the social media manager. She's a former reporter and anchor uh, in Colorado, uh, Fox 21 News, WAFF 48, NTV News. Uh, Lauren, you like being out of news? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 nice. Um, there's some <laughs> days where I miss it, but uh, for, for most days I don't. <laughs> and uh, same questions I had for Eric. Um, how do you see this playing out over the next bunch of weeks? I think it's going to be a waiting game. I think we're not going to know anything for... Uh, a couple more months. Um, I mean, it would be great if the 12th Judicial District Attorney would kind of give us uh, some information as to what came out of the autopsy, but I think they're going to keep that close to their vest and um, they don't want anything leaked uh, from this case because they don't want to harm the potential uh, 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 case moving forward. So uh, I think it's going to be quite a long time until we hear uh, kind of any arrest or any charges pending. Uh, And Martin Smallwood, there was no dart. He's making the point that it was just the uh, casing and maybe the dart was in fact used. Uh, Look at this from uh, Ann McClure, bodacious (laughs) stash. I hope the wife is watching and hearing all this. Um, Last but not least, Carm. Uh, I will start with a question I ended with. Do you think that Barry Morphew is guilty of this crime? Will he ultimately be charged for it? And don't weasel your way out of it with some political I am going to weasel away. What I love most about the, the system is that you are innocent until proven guilty. And I would have to see the proof and I wouldn't even know what I'm looking at because I'm not an attorney. There you go. That was the final word. A quick programming note. Tomorrow night, uh, an interesting show. Some people don't want us to have this guest. His name is Jay Ruben Appleman. He wrote While Idaho Slept about the Idaho Four murders. Uh, He really focused it on the victims. I don't think he mentions Brian Koberger until about three quarters of the way into the book. Uh, He'll be on with a couple of other guests. And then 5 p.m. Eastern time. Great Scott. It's your true crime fill with uh, Scott Duffy of the uh, FBI formerly and uh, Detective Phil Waters, America's most respected detective. They'll be on uh, five o'clock on Friday. We'll talk about uh, the Long Island serial killer and all these other big cases, including Yoron Vondersloot now fessing up uh, to uh, hurting and killing Natalie Holloway. I don't know if he actually admitted 
that entire thing, but he did say that he attacked her uh, last I saw. Uh, final question here, Carm. Was Carm mobbed by fans at Crime Con, crime con which we are now calling Carm Con? Carm, what was your experience like at Crime Con? It was pretty incredible because I truly uh, didn't expect the warm reception and uh, so many people recognizing us. And I, Joel said to me, after we met the first two people who rec- recognized that, I said to Joel, this is already good. And then we walked further and then other people recognized us. So it was very, very rewarding. And they were very, um, they were very open. They said what they liked, what they don't, didn't like, and it was good. Carm signed tons of autographs, took photos. She was hanging out at the bar late at night. She wasn't drinking, but she was hanging out at the bar. And she was uh, so inadvertently. Sad I missed out. That sounds like yeah. fun, Carm. Lauren, come to Nashville, Crime Con in Nashville. She also oh. uh, inadvertently, uh, repeatedly, uh, um, not offended, insulted Dick Harputley and the lead defense attorney from the Alec Murdoch trial. Um, and that was funny to watch. Uh, but now that, you should tell in context. What's who the context? Was the, who was the, the prosecutor? What Eric, Eric's texting his friends being like, get me the hell out of here. Go on. No, 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 no. But one second, because this is interesting tidbit for everybody. What's the name of the, the, the one who was in the band? Creighton Waters, the prosecutor. Creighton Waters was really performing for two hours in a band, jumping around in jeans and in a t-shirt. And he was the the main pro- prosecutor for uh, Murdoch. For Murdoch, and then when he left, uh, I, we bumped into um, uh, what's his name? Carpool, uh Dick Harpoolian. Dick Harpoolian. And and I said, and I asked him if he's is if he's playing music in any band. Yeah, and you also called him the wrong name, like he just did to his face, which was hilarious because uh, he has an ego. Uh, Maui Swift, look at this, Carm. You researched well, Carm, followed by freaking St. Carm is in the house, followed by LOL, Carm is good for business. She sure is. Uh, look at this. Gen X Granny says Carm, Carm, Carm. Sadie says no, love Carm. Carm is out of control, out of control. It's good to be 84. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Bonnie Lee Lopez, we love you, Carm. Frankie Figs, Carm. Carm's hair looks great. Olive Heatley. I'm not even, these are all right next to each other. Uh, We love Carm. You kick our butts, Carm. Carm is hilarious. It goes on and on for eternity. Um, We're going to see a show open. I apologize to the panel. I apologize, guys. I'm going to need your autograph, Carm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you are. And uh, we're going to roll Listen, a show. Cl- I told you what the, the key to all this is. You know, if you breathe in and out at 84, you are terrific. So that's, that's the, what uh, I... Carm, do you have one last piece of life advice before we say goodbye? Think of something quickly. I do have that. It's so trite and so known. Enjoy every day. It goes very, very, very fast. There you go. Calm. When I ask you that, you always say buy low, sell high. That's another good piece of advice. Here we go. <laughs> no, I Love- say that. <laughs> Throwing her under the like bus. Sarcasm at its highest level. This is my okay. Geraldo. Love you, America. Love you, Colorado, Denver, Moffat, I guess. Uh, Salida, Boulder. Um, love you, Tasmania. Of course, Miami, Florida. 
sticking to Israel tonight. Until next time. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.